It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Sports Mix here on Talk Radio WRNR. Nick Verzellini alongside me is Colin McLaughlin. Unfortunately, we are having, or Comcast is having, a internet outage in our area. So um, we are only on the radio currently. Uh, hopefully, we can get on TV at some point here in the next hour. If not, uh, you can always tune into the show on uh, after the show is aired. Whenever we get our internet back, we will upload the show to our you know, anywhere you get your podcast, whether that be Spotify, you know, Apple Music, whatever the case may be, you can listen to it there. Um, and potentially the show may still re-air on TV 10 if our recording is still working. So uh, just kind of a weird situation happened about 30 minutes ago. Uh, but also, unfortunately, we are unable to get our guest on because our phone line is out now. So we are unable to get Coach Fort on from Hedgesville, who we were looking forward to talking to. So we will now talk to him, as well as Coach Desiree Waters of Jefferson tomorrow uh, to get the preview for the softball regional. So looking forward to that. Other stuff, though, that we will be talking about today on the show, we got baseball sectionals. Big win last night for Musselman over Martinsburg. Good game. We'll talk about that one, as well as Jefferson getting the win over Washington. And we'll preview tonight's games. NBA playoffs continue, of course, and uh, some NFL news, as well as the Orioles and the Nationals continue. So we'll kind of go from there. Uh, but uh, Colin, how are you today? And doing all right. And just quickly, this segment brought to you by Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Hopefully, our internet and phone lines do come back if they do come back obviously we'll be up on tv 10 we can stream to facebook then too and depending on what time it comes back we'll see if maybe we decide to reach out to coach ford of the hedgesville softball team to interview him today or if we just hold off and have him and coach waters tomorrow to preview this rematch of the regional championship to take place next week but we got some great baseball yesterday, and we get some great baseball again today here in sectional playoffs, Nick. Yeah, weird game last night, first of all. Musselman jumps out to the 5 nothing lead uh, in the first two innings and get all seven and all of their runs, all seven hits and all five of their runs in the first two innings. And then from that point forward, the game flipped into Martinsburg's momentum. They started to get their offense going. They finished with seven hits and four runs. Um, but overall, we're unable to come back completely and, and get the win. But the way Musselman jumped out to that lead with this pitching staff and how deep they are, they can afford then to allow a few runs here and there, but they're going to ultimately stop your rallies, and that's what the Appleman were able to do. Baden Hartman gets hit on the arm, and that caused him, I think, a few issues. If not, we might have seen another dominant performance out of him on the mound. So he's forced down the game. Cohen Rutherford comes in picks him up, and then Trevor Bohr shut down in the seventh like he has been all year to get his fourth save of the season. He's four for four in those opportunities. 
Um, but a weird game, and there was some controversy as well. We had that one play in the second inning where um, the Bulldogs had the throw down a second. Musselman runner comes in to score. But did he score before that out occurred? It was pretty much simultaneous is what you had told us. Uh, when looking yeah, I sent replay. you the video. I don't know if you... I did see it eventually. Watched yeah. it or not. I made sure it was in slow motion too. And you can see at second base while the run's coming home, right as the umpire's pointing down at the kid from Musselman sliding into second is when the other Musselman player is touching home. And basically right as he's stepping is when he's calling him out. So is it when the signal's called? for you're out or is it before that because probably a half second if not a second before that is when the tags applied to allow the umpire time to actually react because you have to do so so in my mind if it that's the case you see it and then you give the call right yeah so while the call is simultaneous to him touching home he saw before that, so in my mind, I don't know if it makes sense or not. The tag was before, so he should be out before. I, I don't know. But yeah. that's not how the umpires ruled it. You have to play how they did, and you can't say if you're a Martinsburg fan, that's the reason why you lost. Because the two innings that you were threatening in and got your runs in, they both ended in the top of the fifth and the top of the sixth with strike threes looking. Yeah. And bases loaded as well, I believe. Or at least, or at least runners, runners in scoring yeah. position. So th- there were multiple things that Martinsburg could have done differently to win that game. And there were multiple things that Musselman could have done to hold on to that lead and win possibly even larger than they did by a one-run deficit. Right. But it was a 5-4 game. We got some controversy. We got some emotion. And that's... Basically everything we always ask for when these two teams meet, right? Maybe not the controversy we like seeing, but we always like seeing a good baseball game, and ultimately I think that's what we got. Yeah, and they did play you know, a hard-fought game between both teams. But you go back to, of course, that play, and you can look at it in multiple different ways. I mean, one, the tag out at second takes the bat out of Jason Myers' hands. So, I mean, you never know what Myers would have done on the next pitch. He ends up leading off the next setting. Um, and obviously a very dangerous bat, you know, leads the team in RBIs with, I believe, 40 now on the season. So, you know, he's been swinging a great bat for the Ampleman. Uh, and then the other thing is, is that Mossman ran itself out of the other rally they had in the first inning because Trevor Bohr got called out at second trying to take second on a throw. Yep. If that doesn't happen, maybe Musselman puts up more runs in that first inning and continues to, you know, pour it on. Because in the first two innings, I mean, they were seeing everything that Boober threw in there, and he didn't have his best stuff. That was pretty clear. Once he settled in, he looked like Carson Boober, and he kept Martinsburg in that game last night. But like you said, I mean, if you go down, you know, for the final out, looking on two pitches that were borderline, but I mean, you got to swing the bat on two strikes, especially in a sectional playoff game against good pitching that Musselman has. And uh, to go down that way, I mean, is is disheartening, I think, if you're the Bulldogs. So 
They head to the loser's bracket. Musselman, great win. They're going to play Hedgesville tonight. Should be a great game at Hedgesville. We'll be there. We're going to cover the winner's bracket in second in section one. So looking forward to it. And now all of a sudden, Martinsburg's in an elimination game against Spring Mills, who just showed that they can compete with anybody again with how well they played against Hedgesville. And we know Mike Lupus is not going to be able to pitch. So you're probably throwing Braden Oviedo out there, a sophomore, in a big moment. Now, he's had some big games that he's pitched in this season. He pitched against Georgetown and handled them pretty well. But this is a game where it's definitely not a lock that Martinsburg beats Spring Mills, which we might have thought heading into uh, sectionals. You know, whoever lost this game and played the Cardinals, if they were to lose, would probably win easily. It's not the case here. With Martinsburg down a pitcher um, and Spring Mills apparently, you know, being capable, or as we knew they were kind of capable, but going out and proving that they're capable once again of being competitive in this section, it's definitely not a lock. So it should be an intriguing game tonight um, between those two teams. Yeah, it should. I mean, when we saw... Spring Mills go out against Hedgesville. We were not expecting what we got at all, and you got to give them credit for fighting as hard as they did to keep that game competitive and almost pulling off the upset. And it's still an underdog story for them, but again, they got to go with that same mindset that they have nothing to lose. The pressures on Martinsburg, especially how the regular season for the Bulldogs ended, this would be a full collapse drop too straight in the postseason after in their minds they thought they should have got a better seed in the section so the pressure's on martinsburg not a lot of pressure on spring mills the only thing though that if you're spring mills and i said this yesterday i'll say it again today yes lupus as you just mentioned can't pitch for martinsburg bromwell can't pitch for spring mill so and we know from previous issues with the uh team they are also down a pitcher for a different reason than lupus don't want to get into that but it definitely makes you wonder who they go with i I expect it probably to be gerardin for spring mills tonight i feel like in my mind unless i'm missing somebody that that is their number two we saw him pitch last week against jefferson and had a uh all right outing against them in that six to three loss and that was a game where, yeah, they were down 6 nothing, but the offense never gave up. And we saw that, again, against Hedgesville. It seemed like the offense early on was aggressive. If they can do that against whoever's pitching today for Martinsburg, get on base, get those runs in, they, they put up another challenge today. Yeah, I mean, Gerardin can give you a quality outing like he did once he settled in in that Jefferson game. So for Spring Mills, it's ultimately, I think, going to come down to – their offense tonight as it always does for every team but uh you know their coach brad barrett has stretched stressed it to us they need to find ways to get runs across uh they haven't really been able to do that consistently but if they could get you know four or five runs here tonight they would have a shot to pull off this win so um we'll see uh martinsburg certainly can't overlook them i think oviedo is going to be their guy young pitcher but like we said, you know, he's pitched in some big moments before, but the sectional playoffs and an elimination game is a different animal. We'll see how he handles it. Um, but Hedgesville Musselman tonight, I mean, that's going to be very similar to how we feel about this Martinsburg Musselman game that we saw last night. 
you really don't know who's going to win this one. It could go either way. Should be a very competitive game at Hedgesville tonight. I'm expecting Tanner Matthew to go for the Eagles and then for Musselman. It would either be Myers or Stevens. Uh, could go either way, so we'll see. But, I mean, they have enough guys where there's not much of a drop-off between any of their starting pitchers, and that's the same thing for Hedgesville. Really not much of a drop-off between uh, the water, Ruest, or Matthew. I would just think Matthew, since it's been the longest since he's pitched, it would make the most sense to me. But it could be Jackson as well, even though he just pitched on Friday. So six days rest is still you know pretty good, but maybe they want to save him for another day off. And you don't want Matthew to go too long without a start. Could be the thought process for Coach Grove, but we'll see how he goes. Uh, either way, though, I mean, they're going to throw a quality pitcher out there for Hedgesville. Can their at-bats be better, though, in this game? Because Yeah, that that was something that the they addressed was that it seemed like they were very shy at the plate, they felt like, against Spring Mills and not as aggressive as Coach Grove wanted them to be. I'm looking at the last time these two teams played it was friday april 21st it was matthew that went out and pitched and got the win going six and two thirds giving up eight hits the five earned runs six strikeouts four walks and then pence came in for the final out to close things out in that 11-5 win the two teams have split in the regular season both teams won while they were the road teams and musselman in that game that they lost to hedgesville 11 to 5 that i'm looking at right now Seven errors, according to Musselman's Game Changer. And we, we've talked about this a few times this year. Sometimes it, for some reason, just seems like the defense doesn't show up. And you have nights where it's five-plus errors, or in this instance, seven errors. But during the postseason, stars step up. And we've talked about both Hedgesville and Musselman's depth all season long, and it seems like both of these teams are the two most experienced teams because of the heavy senior and upperclassmen on these rosters. So I don't think we're going to get a lot of errors tonight, and it will come down to the pitching matchup. I think we have a low-scoring pitcher's duel, and if there are errors, that will be the difference between these two. Yeah, I think that could be how it plays out, but also I look at the Musselman offense, and I mean, they've been pretty tough all year. I mean, that top five, like I said yesterday, in the pregame and during the game, you know, everybody hitting above 350. You don't see that very often. And then they have four guys with home run power. So I said it yesterday on the show. When that offense is clicking, they are the most unstoppable team in the Eastern Panhandle. Yeah, the the really f- only thing that can hold them back is their fielding. And if they uh, field the ball well, Musselman is, I think, the number one team in the EPAC. Uh, from a talent perspective when you look at the hitting and the pitching, but they need their fielding to be there. And obviously, Hedgesville has the pitching to potentially slow things down for them. So, you know, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, Definitely looking forward to it. With it being the postseason, you do kind of lean toward this being more of a pitcher's duel. But I think Musselman and Hedgesville at times have both shown great offensive output. So, you know, it could be any sort of type of game. Just kind of depends on how the defenses handle it. Uh, but if you put pressure in the defense at, in the high school baseball level, you know, high school players are going to make errors. It's just how it is. So uh, that that's going to be important for both these teams. And Hedgesville will certainly need a much better approach at the plate 
Washington fell last night to Jefferson 10 to 3. Colin Reed did return. He pitched great or pitched well, I should say. Didn't necessarily dominate out there for the first four innings. Uh, but then his pitch count got up and he struggled. And, you know, he really battled early. Uh, Colin gave them a great effort, but probably too many pitches for him in his first game back. I was surprised to see him throw over 100 personally. Yeah, I'm looking at it going four and two thirds and already being at 106 pitches when he got pulled, 63 of those for strikes. He gave up 10 hits, seven runs, all seven earned, five strikeouts, six walks. And we, we knew, though, it was a tough spot, not only for him, but for Washington, because it's his first true start back since the injury. Yeah, other than that, he only threw It's an playoffs inch. Hey. against Jefferson. We said, yes, will he be 100%? We don't know, right? But at the same time, you got to push him as much as possible, even though it surprises us that he went over 100 pitches. At this point in the season, unless he says, hey, I need pulled, if you're Washington, you're not going to pull him. Because we said if they wanted the win... It had to be him probably going to complete game and pitching a gem for them to do so because the offense lately for the Patriots has really struggled. And up until that fifth inning is where things really slipped away for him. I mean, up until that final inning, it was a 2-2 ball game or a 3-2 ball game heading into the fifth. My apologies. And he went four and two-thirds. Yeah, I... I I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I understand what you're saying, Colin. You know, they obviously need Colin Reed to go as deep as possible for them to have a chance. And really, I think the perspective there is, well, what are you saving him for if he's unable to? Or if you're, you know, pitching him in this game, you know, he's, you need to win. So there's nothing really to save him for. That You know, there's no tomorrow in some ways, even though this wasn't an elimination game yet. Uh, but... For the, for you to expect Colin Reed to throw over 100 pitches in a game and go seven innings in his first real action in two months, I mean, that's that's pretty hard to get that out of anybody. So first of all, I want to give Colin credit for being gutsy going out there and pitching, you know, really hard for his team and, and trying his best and obviously giving, you know, a pretty good outing through the first four innings of work. But I think there gets to a point maybe where you do look at it and it's like 70, 80 pitches and maybe you do go into your bullpen. But, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, at the time you're looking at it and it's a 3-2 game. He's pitching well. He says he feels well. Why should you take him out? So it's, you know, it's 50-50. Uh, looking back on it, obviously they probably would have handled it differently. But Still, Washington didn't have enough offense to compete with Jefferson ultimately anyway. They only scored three runs in the game, uh, and the Cougars put up 10 on 13 hits. They didn't make any errors. Uh, it's your typical kind of Jefferson win. You know, Caleb Fletcher's now starting for them. Uh, at the beginning of the year, he was really just a bullpen guy. He goes seven innings, five hits, five strikeouts, four walks, three earned runs. Uh, so very solid performance from Fletcher, and they just get enough out of their their offense. Lewis gets two hits in the game, two hits for Hefner, two for Fletcher, two for Kelly, two for Morgan, three RBIs for Daquan Shipe. So 
you know, two for Ty Duncan as well. So everybody contributing, and if Jefferson's going to get that kind of offense, uh, that's when they play like the number one team in the region and can match a team like Musselman because they have good enough pitching overall. Yeah, it's just a tough spot for Washington. And just to make it clear, we're not saying that with the 106 pitches, Reed got injured again. That's not the case. But we're just trying to say maybe with his first start bat, you expected it to be a little less more of a rehab start per to say but again as we stated or I at least I stated before it, it's tough to make it a true rehab start or whatever you want to call it when it's a playoff game against Jefferson yeah I understand that perspective I just was a little bit surprised to see him no throw that I, I am too his first game back. it is what it is uh still was a good ball game up until Washington let it slip away there in those final few innings but at the same time that's kind of what you expected from Jefferson good teams find ways to win and they did so Washington Hampshire tonight at seven at Washington see how that one plays out in the elimination game but I think it's time for our first break uh, this is West Virginia High School Baseball. This gosh, is not West Virginia is, High School Baseball. The sports mix <laughs> on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Yep, this segment brought to you by Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. They became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. We're back in two minutes. We welcome you back to this Thursday edition of the Sports Mix. May 11th, we are back on Facebook. So if you're just now joining us on Facebook, uh, you can listen to the first segment of the show on uh, wherever you get your podcast once we are able to post that after the show. Or, of course, you can watch the first segment again Uh we believe this afternoon on TV 10 or tune in on the radio side of things around uh, 5 p.m. for the re-air of the show. But uh, if you're just now joining us, we had a issue with or Comcast had an issue with the Internet. So that has been fixed and they're working to put us back on TV 10 as well. So that's all good. The, the most important thing is we'll have Internet so we'll be able to stream the game tonight and everything, uh, which is you know, obviously we like to have the show on, but uh, more important, I think overall, a little bit bigger audience for the game tonight, I would think, between Musselman. Yeah, I would too. I think there would be a lot of frustrated people trying to call into the station if we weren't able to provide the game on TV10 or YouTube tonight, and then they'd be even more frustrated because when they'd try to call in, it wouldn't work because our phone lines were down exactly. as well. Yeah. And both we expect to be up right now, and hopefully they stay uh functioning i guess right. is the word that we're looking for so but we'll have uh, coach fort of the hengesville eagles softball team on the show tomorrow uh along, along with coach, coach desiree Water. waters of the jefferson cougars softball team to preview the regional matchup but moving on here into the nba playoffs that continued last night uh in kind of a scary situation in that lakers game anthony davis goes down had to leave the game with a concussion, but it looks like things are going to be uh, a lot better for AD. 
and the Lakers fall to the Warriors. Colin, you were spot on with both of those games last night. The Knicks beat the Heat as well. Yeah, I was. I said I don't think either one would end uh, because, well, the joke always is, right? NBA wants series to go seven games. I, I don't think they worked anything into those. I think just both the Knicks and Golden State played better basketball yesterday. I didn't think that the uh, Knicks would allow themselves with the energy of Madison Square Garden to go out without a fight in this series. So it was a great game for New York, shooting almost 50% from the floor, almost 40% for beyond the arc. You had Brunson with a huge 38-point game. Barrett goes for 26. Randall goes for 24. And they were able to hold everybody on the heat under 20 points, including Jimmy Butler, who I've said this entire playoffs, if the Heat want to win, he's the difference maker. So holding him to 19 points, you're going to win. I mean, when you look at it, the Knicks have the better roster than the Heat, but the Heat have found ways to win these games by you know using their hustle, playing good defense, and just getting the Knicks out of their game because... You know, the Knicks have talent. I mean, they have Jalen Brunson, a good young player. Uh, obviously, Julius Randle, uh, Robinson as well can, you know, do a lot of good things at the center position. So, you know, you really compare these two teams, and the Knicks should win this series. They probably should have won it in five, maybe six games. But the Heat have the experience. They have veterans on their roster. They have guys that are used to playing in the postseason. And maybe that's why they've taken this 3-2 to two series lead. But uh, for the Knicks to come back and even this up, well, I felt like the series had kind of fallen apart because, I mean, Julius Randle said it himself, and he was one of the guys not giving the best effort in the Knicks' previous loss. You know, he felt like the Heat wanted it more. So I wasn't sure if a young team would respond the way they did, but the Knicks were able to do that and uh, keep this series competitive, and you never know what can happen. I mean, obviously 3-1 is very tough to come all the way back from, but... We've seen it happen before. Yeah, it's happened before, so it's not impossible. And we'll see how this series plays out. In terms of the Lakers and the Warriors, uh, like I said, AD left the game, so that was kind of scary. But I think ultimately he's gonna everything's going to be all right there with his status. But in terms of... Uh, the difference last night, I mean, it's Draymond Green going for 20 points. When's yeah, that's a big game for 10 rebounds from him as well. Yeah, when's the last time you saw him with a offensive explosion, everybody in double figures? You thought, because we talked about it hey, more so down. that it needed to be Clay Thompson to step up and then maybe Draymond Green a little bit more, but it was the opposite. It was Green going for 20, being the third leading scorer behind Wiggins with 25 and Curry with 27. The team shot over 50%. And I'm looking at it, and we said last game that it was a collapse by Golden State. They didn't collapse this time. It was a huge first half for them. They won both first and second quarters. And you thought maybe from there, because of that, it was going to potentially be a blowout because everybody knows the third quarter is usually always golden state well they tied the third quarter so you in the back of your mind thought maybe another collapse is coming even though they were still up by double figures and then they go in and get a 28 24 fourth quarter and get the 15 point win 
So it wasn't the big third quarter like you typically see is the difference for Golden State. This was all the other quarters winning out in those ones and holding Davis even though he got injured. I mean, LeBron, 25 points. How serious, though, is that going to be for AD? Yeah, I'm not certain on that, but I just know that as of today, uh, he is doing better. So will he be able to play in the next game? You know, I'm not certain. But I think this was kind of a weird game because the final numbers were a closer game than what it was. Really, yeah. the Lakers didn't play bad. Uh, they shot the ball 48% from the floor. They shot 37% from three. Golden State shot 51% from the floor and 37% from three. But overall, they just were you know more productive where the Warriors, their defense was a little bit better. They were able to get to the free throw line. That's what uh, I was about to try to look and quickly bring up if I could find it was free throws were I mean, they were 14 a huge difference last time so the fact that but the free throws were pretty close I mean both teams got there 15 times or shot 15 free throws Golden State just made two more so I, I meant last game when you saw the Lakers yeah. get that win it was a huge disparity and they were mentioning that on the broadcast last night that if Golden State wanted to win they, they needed to get to the free throw line the same amount if not more because last time in that 104-101 win, Lakers went 20-20, Golden State 9-12. So the fact that they went 14-15 compared to the Lakers going 12-15, yeah, it was a 15-point win, but still, it's the same amount, and that was yeah, the difference. Yeah, they didn't allow the Lakers to get mm-hmm. those easy points from the line. So overall, uh, you know, a good win for the Warriors. Um, make the series pretty interesting like we expected this series to be. And now with the potential injury to Davis, uh, you know, how does that affect things moving forward? We'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, the Warriors are definitely playing better. And with Draymond Green giving you 20 points, if that's the boost you needed, maybe that's enough, you know, moving forward. If he can get going offensively, that's a whole new factor in the game that we really didn't expect to play too much of a impact in this one. And since my powers yesterday worked to speak the two series continuing into existence, I'm going to try to use those powers again today and say Boston Celtics over Philadelphia in seven games. Good luck with that, Colin. I know. I might be using up my powers where I already used them. Are you using your powers for good? If you're a Celtics fan, yes. Yeah. If you're a Philadelphia fan, no, I'm using them for evil. But (laughs) you either love or hate both boston or philly so i suppose so maybe if this becomes a thing and you get this right maybe you can start using your powers to make money no that doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) i wish it seems like each time i put money on games it's the opposite effect well let's take another break on the other side of this break we'll talk uh the other new nfl schedule announcements as well as uh lamar jackson has still not reported to the optional team workouts despite being paid I'm, I'm a little disappointed in that so we'll talk about that and others things on the other side of this break yep this segment brought to you by Rossini's home store not just an appliance store anymore cabinets and design bedding outdoor living family owned and operated visit them at 360 at Wilson Way in Martinsburg or go to Rossini's.com be back in two minutes on talk radio WRNR and TV 10 
Welcome you back to this Thursday edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Kyle McLaughlin. Happy to have you with us here on the show. Hold on, Nick. I know you want to jam out right now. Don't hold it back. But then remembered I buy myself flowers. There you go. Got some uh, NFL. Well, I guess since you're playing flowers and say flowers is now a raven yeah i know what i'm doing i'll transition into the ravens instead of the nfl schedule lamar was bought flowers they gave him everything he needed zay flowers a wide receiver odell beckham jr his big contract Rashad bateman's coming back but he's still not showing up to workouts which to me normally i wouldn't really care too much because these are voluntary workouts but I think the quarterback one should be there. I've said this before. I think if you're the quarterback, you're the leader of the football team. If you're not there, then why should the other guys be there? And then it looks bad. But also, this is pro football players. So, I mean, they have the option to not be there. They don't have to be there. I understand that. But I think when you have a new offensive coordinator, you have new wide receivers, it's a new – you have a new contract, so you have nothing to really complain about and you've been injured the past two years, I think you should be in the building, you should be at these optional workouts, and you should be uh, showing leadership. And My only thought is, is there an injury that we don't know about? No, he's he's good to go. He said he'll be there soon. What does soon mean? Probably when they're mandatory. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely strange you thought that there wasn't any drama in this makes it look like there's still a little bit of drama in Baltimore with the Ravens right now as you just scratch your head and say, why? Why isn't he there? No, I completely agree with you. With how everything has happened, you go out get him weapons. You get him the big contract. He's healthy. It's a new offense. It's a new offense with a new offensive coordinator. Why isn't he there day one learning it? so that he can now put up his end of the deal of finally winning Baltimore Super Bowl because he's been saying for the past five years that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Baltimore's done everything on their end now. Lamar, it's your turn, right? Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about it. Now, to be fair, his one of his new wide receivers are not there. Odo Beckham Jr. is not there yet. Um, to my understanding, he is still in Maybe communication. Maybe in. Could be, yeah. Big process there. It's being a good friend. Yeah, and a good teammate. But uh, he's not there. Ronnie Stanley's not there. J.K. Dobbins isn't there. So he's not the only one. But I think it's important for the quarterback especially to be there after he signs his new contract uh, and learn the new offense and work with the receivers. I don't think Bateman's there either, but he can work with Zay Flowers, Jason Aguilar, you know, guys that are new to this team. And learn the offense, work with his new offense coordinator, Tom Monk, and maybe they can figure out some things together uh, for the offense. Now, June is when things become mandatory. I, obviously, he'll be out there. Maybe he'll be there next week. Who knows? Uh, and in a typical offseason, I don't think it's a big deal. But you look at the guys that have been successful in the history of the league consistently, they show up to offseason workouts. Tom Brady doesn't miss offseason workouts. No, he he creates his own. Yeah. 
but guys like Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, they maybe they maybe they miss. And I mean, Roethlisberger and Rodgers were successful, but could they have been better if they were out there? I don't know. I mean, but Peyton Manning, he didn't miss off season workouts. Yeah, Tom Brady doesn't miss off season workouts. Guys that are truly great are there with their team no matter what. And now that he has his contract and the weapons and a new coordinator, this is a little bit discouraging for me personally. Yeah, it makes you almost feel like he didn't deserve the money already. And you don't want to feel like that as a fan because it's too late. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully he goes out and proves me wrong and and does some great things. But ultimately, I mean, I'm – already concerned about paying him all this money because i don't know if lamar jackson's going to be healthy and he hasn't and the league's healthy. not getting any easier no and the schedule doesn't get any easier and i think we'll transition into the, that's a perfect transition right into there. the schedule release weird first game to kick off the season chiefs obviously they're the super bowl champs they get the first game at home against the detroit lions Yippee. Jared Goff and the Lions head to Kansas City. That is not a team that I expected to see in an opening game of the season unless they somehow won a Super Bowl, but it's the Detroit Lions, so that probably will never happen. Um, And for them to be playing Kansas City, it's not super intriguing. The only thing that is kind of intriguing, and I just kind of thought about this, is that Jared Goff and Pat Mahomes did play in the greatest monday night football game ever when jared goff was a member of the rams yeah but lions chiefs is a weird one you know especially when the Bengals are on the schedule for the chiefs this year the bills are on the schedule for the Chiefs. yeah this I, year. I, I would have liked a much better they have great rivalries type deal or divisional game to start off yeah the bills would have been a cool one but i, I feel like bills were in it last year against you the gotta rams. you gotta do bills and the chiefs later on in the year where they're fighting for maybe the one seat or something. Even the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings was one that actually did pop into my brain before you told me that it could have been the Jets. Yeah. I feel like it would be something that a lot of people would want to tune into because of the storyline of Rodgers with his new team. How will they do with the Jets going up against the best team in the NFL, the Chiefs? I thought that'd be a cool week one storyline. I like the, what they did do with the Jets playing host to the Bills on Monday Night Football on 9-11. I mean, yeah, that that, that's sense. a great move. I've heard a few Washington ones, as one I'm a fan too, were the affiliates of the Commanders. So it looks like our holidays will be filled because according to J.P. Finley, on Christmas Eve at 1 p.m., the Commanders will play the Jets in New York primetime games being announced another thursday night football game week five against the chicago bears whoop-de-doo the only thing i'd care about for that game is if tyson is if tyson bajan's there then i'm sorry mike i'm calling in sick that thursday and friday to try to make it to that game well you're not calling in sick friday we got martinsburg football friday morning (laughs) (laughs) and then thanksgiving commanders at the cowboys per sources okay yeah, I mean, that makes sense because like you and I were talking, we believe that they've been kind of just rotating the NFC East for the Cowboys Thanksgiving Day game. Yeah, which I'm okay with. That that makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, who else would you really want to see them play on Thanksgiving? And I like all these Washington, Dallas on Thanksgiving. I think it's 
they've had some great games over the years and uh, whoever you know always having a big rivalry and, and same thing with the lions you know usually they play an nfc North and because team. where thanksgiving is in the nfl calendar it, it kind of gives you especially with a divisional game a little bit of an amped push for a final stretch right yeah it, it on thanksgiving is when you really start to be like all right is my team going Good to be a playoff team or is this a team that i don't want to watch in december because they suck but i will watch because it's the nfl and there's only 18 games a year or yes. 17 games a year. <laughs> well looking forward to the full schedule release tonight on the nfl network always interested to see how many primetime games each team gets and everything like that so some big ones being announced so far definitely looking forward to it this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll, they'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. We'll be back for our final segment of the Sports Mix after this two-minute break on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. We welcome you back to today's edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Colin McLaughlin. Good show here today. And our final segment coming up here, we're going to talk baseball. We weren't sure if we were going to get to this today because originally we were going to have Coach Ford on, but we had the injury or the internet. (laughs) The internet injury. (laughs) (laughs) The internet went on the IL for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever it was. So um, everything good now, but baseball last night the nationals actually yesterday afternoon get an 11-5 win over the giants and uh finished you know that west coast trip on a good note they get a series victory over the san francisco giants um and they're still very much in things in the nl east uh because everybody's kind of been up and down and yeah, unless you're in the AL the east, uh you probably are at 500 or below it seems like yeah or just, you know, a few games ahead of that. I mean, Atlanta's been good, but everybody else and has the been Pirates. struggling in the NL East. Um, so, you know, they're still very much kind of in the mix for the wild card and everything. I mean, it's very early in the season, but the Nationals able to get that win. They return home against the Mets. The Mets are 18-19, and 19, so they've yeah. struggled early on despite having high expectations. So, Almost forgot, by the way. This read so this segment brought to you by the Mirius Group of Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. You can contact them at 304 263 4343 or stop by 1270 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg. But yeah, Mets taking on the Nationals, and again, as you just stated, Mets are kind of struggling right now. And the Nationals, if they could string a few wins together, would be right behind them. So they get a day off today after the West Coast trip, and then you get to see uh, Gore go out Friday night and pitch for Washington. And he's been pretty solid for the Nats, so you like their chances when he's out there. Yeah. Um, like we said before, you know, the Nationals have that good young pitching. Uh, unfortunately, Cade Cavalli is out this year with Tommy John surgery, so, you know, if he was active he would be another piece i think to their rotation but you know jake irvin's pitched well since he's been called up and uh, of course mackenzie gore and josiah gray have been 
solid members of the rotation. Corbin's starting to come around. So Washington is uh, looking a lot better than people expected. I think that will continue here in the near future. They can hopefully still have some guys that can maybe trade at the deadline. If Corbin can pitch well consistently, he'll become an arm. I think that they could unload and get some mid-tier prospects for him. Um, if if teams feel like they can help him that help them win down the stretch, presuming the Nationals aren't in some sort of wild card race or even a divisional race, I don't think they'll get to that point. But maybe they'll get to like a seventy win season or so, which would be uh, I think a lot higher than expectations. The Orioles they continued to play well, uh, able to win the series over the Rays, and I think stop our our potential panics that we were having after they struggled you know against the Braves and struggled in game one against the Rays yeah they were on a three-game skid but after that three-game skid we uh both said that if they could win the series against Tampa to make it a combined uh three and three against Atlanta in Tampa you, you like where this team's still at and they did so now they get a day off and they get the take on the Pirates and hopefully that's a fun series because Pittsburgh a really hot team right now too. What do you think about the debate between who should be the closer between Cano and Batista? I mean if both work I'm okay with it because it means come postseason time both hopefully have less innings but that'll wrap things up here for this edition of the Sports Mix tonight again Musselman at Hedgesville in Section 1 Playoff Baseball winner stays in the winner's bracket and will take on either Spring Mills, Martinsburg, or the loser of that matchup that we have tonight. But this is WRNR Martinsburg. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you tonight at 640.